Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. And welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. All right. We, uh, we get that down. We've been doing this for years, and we've managed to get that in sync. So yes. congratulations there, Steve. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing great. All right, good. Well, I'm doing well, too. We, uh, we're a tech company that uh, helps churches and ministries primarily use technology and uh, streaming video and mobile apps and things like that. So, And we talk a lot about it, different, a lot about uh, different subjects related to ministry. So if this is one of your first times listening to us, uh, we have a smorgasbord of things that we deal with. And today, we actually have a special guest, right, Steve? We do. So... Joe Way reached out to uh, to us uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he's written a book. So, Philly, why don't you go ahead and introduce him? Yeah, so uh, Joe, uh, actually, his real name, well, <laughs> his real name, is, 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 his legal name is Josiah Way. He goes by Joe, Joe Way, and he's the author of the book called uh, Producing Worship, A Theology of, Chur- of Church Technical Arts. Uh, producing Worship, a Theology of Church Technical Arts. Uh, he's the director of the Multimedia Services at California Baptist University there in Riverside. He also serves as the campus technical director at Saddleback Church. Now, that's uh, one of the uh, uh, campuses. What, what campus is that again, Joe? The Aliso Viejo campus. Okay. And so you're the technical director there. you got tons of experience when it comes to AV stuff, over 25 years working with uh, AV uh, productions, TV, film, recording sports that sounds fun theater church tech and you've even got some credentials joe how good for you you got a phd in modern theology what is modern theology you've got a phd in modern theology what is modern theology i you know i do I, you know it's modern <laughs> theology they come up with as many monikers as they can on stuff right just to uh, to fill out degrees but really it's the study of how uh, the church today uses the bible you know, practically within its ministry, because obviously we're not going to use it in the same way as, you know, it would have been done in, say, the first or second centuries. Uh, and that's from the University of uh, Birmingham, UK. Did you go over to UK? Um, I went there a few times. I did most of the the, the studies for it um, yeah. here in the States, but then I would go back for supervisions and to defend it, et cetera. Yeah, good, good deal. Master's in Applied Biblical Studies from Moody. And you got a bachelor's in philosophy at the uh, University of Southern California. And here's one you've got a uh, you got a lot of these things. You got a CTS certification. So I think I know what that is, but tell us what is a CTS certification? Uh, so the, the CTS is kind of is the you know certified technology specialist. I believe it stands for through Avixa, which is you know the I guess official officially the. Uh, certifying body for the professional AV industry. They run, most people know, as run Infocom. So they run the Infocom show um, and uh, and do the trainings and pretty much much more popular within the uh, corporate AV world right. as opposed to the live and church worlds, but it is taking its step over there. So, uh, yeah, no, I always think it's good to be able to get those certifications, and I always call myself a certification horde because if you look at my office, it's just filled with, you know, if you can print out a, you know, a certificate, give it to me. I'll throw it on the wall. Yeah, I, I was unaware that there was certificate or certifications for the AV um, 
arena. So I guess Phil, you were you had been exposed to it. I, I saw it somewhere. I remember seeing it somewhere, and I just you know I get exposed to a lot of things, but I don't always follow up with them. But I remember <laughs> seeing that somewhere, the CTS certification. So well, good for you. And most importantly, you've got a wife, Amy, and uh, you've got what three kids? How, how old are your kids? Uh, from 22 to 17. So we are on the countdown. We're we're yeah. a semester away from freedom. I mean, uh, <laughs> to, uh, you know. <laughs> Steve can relate to that, right, Steve? I can. My last just graduated college, so they're off the payroll and uh -huh. and everything. So yes, yeah, I've, it's I've, a freeing mine's, experience. Mine's twenty, so he's still not out the door, but he's talking about it. All right. So uh, anyhow, so you're in Lake Forest, California. All right. So uh, you've got this book, uh, Producing Worship: A Theology of Church Technical Arts. There's some really interesting titles here, but I'd like to ask you before you jump into them here. How in the world did you get interested in, in, in AV stuff and technology? Yeah, well, first, let me uh, just say thank you all for having me on. You know, this is quite an honor to be able to come on and share this with you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you read through my credentials, obviously, I have a degree in philosophy. And what do you do with a philosophy degree? You go in the entertainment industry, right? Because what else are you going to do with it? Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I actually got my start back in high school doing mixing, working in uh, – in various, uh, you know, basically being a gopher in recording studios and doing some uh, just live roadieing and did that throughout college. And uh, you mentioned sports. So even uh, I've worked for the Clippers when uh, oh. when they were playing at the sports arena because while I was at USC. So I did some uh, some of the work for them there. And I just really stuck with it. And my interest went always toward I would say the theological side, which happened to be where I got my degrees, but have always worked in in some type of you know producing within you know the entertainment industry, and uh, and I always think that everybody who works when I was asked, well, what do you do? It's like, well, you do whatever the next contract is. That's what you do. Um, you know, whatever one will hire you for, and that was really when I came into the church world. Then in uh, gosh, 2011 now has it really been that long? Um, mm. I noticed that. Uh, I uh, came in in order to work as a technical director uh, at a church down in Orange County. This is before going to Saddleback. And I just recognized that a lot of my volunteers would come to me after service and say, um, you know, will you explain what he's saying, you know, on the sermon? I'm like, uh, dude, I, I just like move a fader. Why are you asking me <laughs> what the pastor is saying, you know? And, and But then at that moment, it dawned on me. We as ministry leaders have a specific role, don't we? I mean, we're not just moving camera angles. We're actually having an impact on exactly what's being done and the way the pastor's message is being given to the congregation. Mm -hmm. And that's where I then thought, well, I want to go to my get my master's because I have volunteers who are asking me theological questions. And that's where I ended up going to Moody, getting my... Uh, master's in applied biblical studies there and just knew I wanted to go on and hence I ended up with the PhD in theology and really wrote the very first theology of technical arts because you know what does the Bible really say and that's one thing I always notice like people always when you talk to uh, tech people they'll always be like well the Bible says so much about stewardship you know or they'll talk it says so much about serving others it's like but you never actually hear people say okay what does it actually say about that what does it actually say and so that's what I wanted to sit down and do is go, okay, well, does the Bible really say that or do we just keep saying that? Mm -hmm. And so that's what this book ended up being. Yeah, cool. Good. 
there's a, a comment here. I think it's in your book by Greg Baker, who's the tech director at Saddleback. And he says, technology has always been used since the time of Jesus. And uh, obviously, you, I assume you agree with that. Can you expound a little bit more on that? I know, that, again, you've got chapters in a book that probably do that. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I think when we look at biblically what technology is, right? We obviously know that, you know, he that Jesus didn't do a Facebook Live, right? Um, <laughs> but would he? I know. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be kind of cool, though? Gosh, wow. What would yeah. Jesus do? Yeah. <laughs> but... But then the question is, did he really? Because he did. I mean, those who have actually, you know, gone to um, anywhere in Israel or been into a Roman Colosseum or been on one of the hillsides, they are actually acoustically made in order to, you know, be able to present, you know, the message to a large number of people at one time. So obviously Jesus as God would understand these things. You know, and so being, you would hope, right? Uh, and so that, you know, when we talk about technology, we have to look at it differently, right? The Greek word that we use, the techni, that it comes from actually has a sense of knowledge and wisdom with it. It has a sense of rhetoric when it, in the Greek, that it's more about selling an idea than it is actually picking up an object, and so this, I, so the technology he would have used would have been either the natural areas in, or using examples from real life, and you know the situations he was placed in, and that's how using those he's able to con connect with the people with, the, with whom he's talking. Mm -hmm. And we do that today. Just the way we do that happens to be through microphones, live streaming, and our mm -hmm. Facebook lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, I mean, pastors. It seems like we want a lot of a lot of pastors out there want to stay a twenty years behind or so <laughs> in the safe technology from twenty years ago, or the the. Uh, why do you why do you think that is? Hmm. Well, that's, I think there. I think you said it that it's safe, right? I mean, I actually have a a section in my book where I quote a pastor who basically says that, who did an interview and he had said, you know, well, when you come to our church, you're going to see that it's the same now as it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago as the same as it was 30 years before that. And let's be honest, it sounds cool, right? It sounds authentic because we all want authentic worship. But maybe there is a sense of uh, a false sense of, you know, historical nostalgia that comes with that. You know, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's like, hey, we use the King James Version. It was good enough for Peter. It's good <laughs> enough for us. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. I need to cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but you just nailed it, right? Is as, as I think there's a nostalgia that goes with it and also a fear of doing it poorly, right? And let's be honest. When technology came into you know, the church, let's say a little over a decade ago, and we kind of made that step, most of the church world we're not trained AV people. They're volunteers brought in, right? Trying to do what people who actually studied this and do it for a living do. So, you know, I, it is very different now. And I think the quality is, you know, there are a lot of, you know, the secular world looking at us now, which is a very big change in a dynamic, but it wasn't the case. So I think when things are done poorly, that also adds a fear. And it's more the fear 
of it being done poorly, looking strange, having it go wrong. I mean, you know, we always seem, and I, I think you, you hear a lot of people, you know, making fun of pastors with, you know, whether or not, you know, when they aren't technologically, you know, savvy. And, but you know what? Their job isn't to understand how a microphone works. Their job is to understand how the Bible works, you know? And so our role then as technical people in tech in the ministry is how can we become a tool in their toolbox so that they can focus on their job and we do ours well, which can only then improve theirs. And then I think you will get people who aren't afraid to use technology. Right. And, and that fear can be somewhat founded. I mean, I know I, it went, it works really well when it's working really well, right? But then if something happens, it just it becomes a little bit of a disaster where the <laughs> the message is no longer, you know, the centerpiece, it's that feedback through that microphone loop that you know has the whole congregation turning around and looking at the sound guy. So yep. I mean that's so the stakes are kinda a little higher today than they were in the past with things that could go wrong as well, right? Absolutely. Don't you think there's also a, a sense of a, a false sense of expectation too, right? The the same people who will be at homes that will be okay spending 10 minutes trying to get the Apple TV connected won't have the same patience if their laptop doesn't connect when they walk into, you know, an auditorium. And really at home, you're only taking an HDMI out of the Apple TV and plugging it into, you know, the HDMI of the TV. Here we have, you know, pretty massive systems. And yet, so there's a certain expectation that I don't think is fairly grounded that is now put on tech people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if, you know, obviously there's some grace to, that needed, but I, I also think too, as tech people, if we manage that and we manage the people skills better, you know, and be able to come to the understanding that people are frustrated and they can get frustrated. Now, maybe we can take a little more back and a little more charge of, you know, putting them at ease, which will let some of that go away. You know, it's interesting you mentioned people skills. I have found over the years that um, just working in ministry that sometimes some of the tech people behind the scenes aren't exactly the best <laughs> They don't have the best people skills. <laughs> and and I guess, you know, and I'm not trying to, it's not always the case with everybody, but I, I, I've i seen that a lot. I, do you think it's just because of the way the brain's wired or something? And they're, they, you know, it's, they're, they're more nerdy. And I mean that in a positive way, <laughs> you know, and, and, and yet when it comes to dealing with people, it's like, uh, you know, uh, and many people, again, like being behind the scenes, uh, so to speak. But as Steve mentioned earlier, you know, you're behind the scenes until something goes wrong. <laughs> And then you're out in the open. I mean, have you found that to be the case? Uh, oh, yeah. And, and what do you do with that? I mean, I mean, do you, you know, and we're kind of getting into the area now of tech, but we, which is what this is all about, I guess. But, you know, we've got people listening to this podcast, uh, pastors and, and, and a lot of volunteers that do tech stuff. How can they be better? And you mentioned the people skills. Uh, so would you say, yeah, you need to learn what you're doing. You need to learn your craft, but 
You probably mm-hmm. should also learn a little more about how to deal with people. <laughs> well, and that's absolutely it. And that, boy, you've made a great segue into the concluding chapter of this book, by the way. So, you know, there's a plug for that. Um, but that is really it, right? I mean, what is the gospel? I mean, if you want to just come straight down to it, the gospel is the, you know, giving the message from one person to another. It's a communication tool. What is tech? Tech is a communication tool right? They're both have the same purpose, but the thing is you need people on both ends of it, right? Mm -hmm. You need somebody who has the message, giving the message, somebody to receive the message, vice versa in tech. You need someone who is inputting, whether it be the music or, you know, the pastor's voice and someone to output it to the congregation. And so our role is similar as long as we look at it about communication and we talk about the relationship building, right? I mean, everyone says, if you look at the uh, the gospel, right, we always know angry sign guy that stands outside the, you know, the football game, right? You're going to hell, right? That's not how you're going to sell the gospel, right? Well, why do we think then a negative attitude would work if we're sitting in a tech booth? Mm-hmm. It won't yeah. work in that, in the other situation. So maybe the attitude and the way we think about how can we make the communication from pastor to congregant more fluid? And that has to do with us building the relationship between our you know, church administration and you know, our leaders. Then we all have the same goal, and that's delivery of the, mess, the gospel of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Steve, I know you, you and I were talking a little bit about the different chapters here uh, that, that uh, Joe sent us here. Uh, you want to pull out one of these chapter titles? Uh, you find interesting? Well, the, I mean, you talked a little bit about it originally was the how did we get here and exactly, you know, are we? was one of the early chapters kind of, um, and you, you've, you had mentioned that, you know, Jesus used technology, uh, the technology of his day. So you want to elaborate on that a little more? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, this is the thing is we've always used technology in one way or another. Right. I mean, again, it was even Aristotle who wrote a famous book, Rhetoric, which is really about technology and the using of, you know, tools to then create a, you know, an argument for your case. Right. And so when you even just sit there and go, okay, the one of the very first chapters, I unpack the people who had built the tabernacle, Bezalel and Aholiab. Right. And we all think of, I mean, the, the tabernacle chapters in the Bible, right, are really the ones that stick together because you never open them, right? <laughs> you, you, <laughs> once you, you get through most of Exodus, and you're like, all right, we'll skip over all those that boring list of stuff. Let's get, get, skim past numbers. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting if we actually open it up and we look at the construction narrative, the words that are used, the the number of sheer number of times the word skill is used. The idea that Bezalel and Holiab were teachers of the people who, of the craftsmen who built it, that it's a huge, great work of art, right? It's not just that it was, you know, a tent in the sense of we go camping and we pop up a tent. It was a great work of art. It was a great skill Just the way you would work with gold, silver, bronze, the acacia wood, the way the linens would work together. This was a a marvel that took skilled craftsmen 
to be able to create so that the people would then be able to, you know, just share in the glory of God. It wasn't, you know, a miscellaneous tent of canvases with, you know, the high priest standing there preaching, right? This was a marvel to look at. And why would that not be a metaphor for what we do with our lights and with our sound, okay. right? Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you, because I, I, you know, I know those guys are builders, you know, and mm-hmm. architects. I was thinking, well, how do you how do you tie the technical thing into that, which you have here in your chapter? But now that you're mentioning that, now I can see that as as it's just different it? materials. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's right. the same so, idea, with different materials. So the challenge, though, is going to be you, you want the message being presented in the best possible means, mm-hmm. but you don't want it to be about the technology that's presenting the message. And so I would, you know, uh, the conflict gets out there when it says, when does it become about the the flash and the dance and the, you know, the pizzazz? And, and then that begins to take away from the message. Yeah, no, and I think that's something that has been argued ever since. I mean, if they get the worship wars that started, you know, 20 some years ago, even just with the music, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, um, even worship leaders had to go through this fight before we had to go through it. I mean, maybe we're going through it now, but when they talked about, you know, the contemporary Christian music movement, you know, and, you know, how was that, you know, war won? It was won by, because now, if you think about it, contemporary Christian music is the norm, right? Rock songs right. in music are the, in, you know, our church music is the norm now. The hymns aren't really the norm as far as how they used to be performed. But basically, that was won by the merging of the two, by creating hymn-based rock songs, biblically sound and theologically sound lyrics that then were done to methods that were that are common to today's culture right well i think that's exactly what we need to do in the tech world we're just fighting it now and the question is are we going to stand behind you know methods or are we going to actually stand behind you know the message right right? and if i'm stuck on i need you know are you going to tell me that 36 moving lights are going to sell the gospel better than 24 moving lights maybe because it all has to do with how are you using it? Are you using it in order to focus on the gospel being presented? Or are you do, using it just to show off how you can make a bunch of lights to move? Right? Because <laughs> then that is the argument, right? The argument is, well, I can share my message without any of this. Absolutely, you can. But can I highlight it? Can I use light and shade and darkness and light, you know, all of these things to be able to you know, focus people's attention on specific points. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, look at who does it the best. The secular film world does it the best. They can share any, they can make you think and feel anything based on the way they can use camera angles, lighting, and sound. Why can't we be any different? Right. Yeah, yeah. As you as you talked about the the parallel with the music industry, my my thoughts were going back to um, Larry Norman, and <laughs> kind of one of the pioneers of the, you know, he was not widely accepted initially, and, and says, so yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. I'd never I'd never drawn that parallel, but and then the fact that 
you know, it started with the music and now the, the, the technical arts are kind of matured enough that now it's the technical arts guys are in that same kind of position of, um, you know, yeah. You know, why, why does the devil have all the good lighting, you know, <laughs> yeah. to well, borrow it's, from it's, a Larry Norman song? It's kind of like that guy a few years ago uh, that tried to put a, a camera on the uh, on a guitar. Uh, what was his name? Steve Lacey? I, I stole that from another pioneer. <laughs> Steve had this great idea to you know wire up a camera so you could see the, the frets on the guitar. Yeah. And uh, it didn't work real well the first time, and and I guess that was that was to our demise because because I was, they didn't like it or something. The church didn't yeah. like it. There was a and, church, uh, yeah, here in town that I, I we were <laughs> you and I were visiting, Phil. Yeah, well, yeah. No, and, it's and, the and I said we both attended. Yeah, no, no, I mean, the, where where we got the idea? Is oh, where we got the idea? Yeah, yeah, they the they were very creative and had mounted one of their portable cameras right on the neck of the guitar yeah. and it was a great little angle so i thought this yeah. is awesome yeah, didn't go we over well it. at my church but yeah it didn't go over too well but uh, well, it didn't it, work. but isn't that it though also some of it has to do with appropriateness right every church has its own identity right and sometimes as church tech people we want to take our vision of what the identity should be and project it onto the church and, you know, maybe we need to have the conversations with the pastor first and ask what identity they want. And there's honestly, there is nothing wrong with a just turn the lights on, have a microphone and preach. There's nothing wrong with that if that's the church's identity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's the culture. I, yeah. The culture of the church. And and so uh, not to cut you off here, but I will. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess the what you're saying is you got to if you want to have some ideas and interject some technology you got to kind of make maybe some slow, you know, move kind of slowly, maybe. Yeah, uh, I mean, to give everybody a chance to kind of get a hold of it. Well, and I think that's exactly it, right? I mean, it's it's about having the communication and and, and saying, hey, this is the goal I want to get to. I mean, we can find videos online if you you know meet with your senior pastor and say, this is what my vision is as a tech person. What's your vision? And maybe we can't go from A to Z on one weekend. But maybe we can use Christmas or Easter to get us to H, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then go, okay, now we're there. Let me have this date to try something fun and now make that our new normal, yeah. right? Yeah. And then kind of go from there. But then also it's about us building the trust. I bet a, every pastor would love to have, you know, Z. But do you think they yet trust you that you can do Z if all you've been doing is A, Yeah. right? You also, we also have to build the trust that we can pull that off yeah, as well. Yeah. That's a good point. So, so what advice would you have for other, you know, AV techs and other churches to um, get exposed to the kind of the state of the art? And because, um, you know, if I'm at A or a B or whatever, and, and the pastor, you know, the pastor's typically not leading this charge, right? They're going to be, they're going to be taking the, you know, the suggestions and the input from the AV, you know, the arts director kind of mm -hmm. guy. But if I'm, you know, I'm at, I'm in a small town or whatever, and how do I, how do I stay abreast of what's going on and what, you know, might be more effective at my church? Well, I mean, obviously the best way is anytime you can get out of your church and into somewhere else and look at it, you know, just from their lens rather than yours, 
And we know that, you know, maybe there aren't, you know, big budgets to send someone to the top three or four different conferences that exist, right? Um, if you can get it, great. But I can guarantee you there is a mega church or a, you know, technically advanced church, there's going to be a mega church within 100 miles of you, probably or a half a day's drive, right? There has got to be, which means they, you know, maybe if you're a small church and you only have Sunday services, guarantee you there's a Saturday service church this large within a half day's drive of you somewhere on this in the States that you could get in a car, take your wife and go say, hey, we're going to go look at this. And maybe it means driving home in the middle of the night, but getting that exposure and reaching out, because here's the thing, I think that especially I see this, you know, when I talk to people, you know, as being at Saddleback, I always think it's funny. People think there's this big brick wall that you're not allowed to talk to us or something, or we're in some, you know, we're in some mystical castle, but no, like, Seriously, reach out. We'd love to be able to walk you through things and show us this is, you know, we do things magnified because we can share the gospel bigger, right, mm -hmm. and to more people, not because of a certain status, right? It's just about reaching more people. And, you know, so if you reach out to us, we'd love to be able to take you, take you behind the scenes and even help you, you know, everything grew at some point and everyone has their story of this is where we were. And these are the steps we took, you know, so yeah. let's help you get there. And I guarantee you every church has somebody shoot an email, tweet them out. They would love yeah. to have you there. And that's really yeah. the best way. Yeah. And most churches I found, I have found are very open to doing that. So look, I'm out of time here, but I want to wrap up real quick here and we'll, we need to have you on again, Joe, and we will. <laughs> so we've been talking with Joe Way, author of the book, Producing Worship, A Theology of Church Technical Arts. What's your website that people can go to? Okay. So it is just for the book. It's producing, producingworship.com. And then even mine is Josiah Way. So just my legal name.com. Both will kind of take you to the same place. Okay. JosiahWay.com, and uh, what is that? J O S I A H. Right? Yep, just like the king, biblical king, and then W A Y.com. Right. Yep, good deal. All right, good. Great chapters in this book. Uh, you know, setting the stage. How did we get here? Where exactly are we? Uh, and you mentioned the the, the deal on Exodus, uh, Hebrews. You talk about Jesus and the uh, technical arts, uh, mm -hmm. Colossians. Some some the use of multimedia stuff there with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. A lot of good stuff here. Producing worship. Uh, I we need to do this again uh, because we're out of time. Yeah, good <laughs> deal. All right, all right. Well, so you know how to get a hold of of uh, Joe. If you uh, missed all that, you can always get a hold of us. Uh, you can just send us an email. Uh, support at streamingchurch. TV, support at streamingchurch.tv. That's one of our emails. We'd be glad to pass some information on to Joe Way. Or if you have some thoughts and, hey, if, if you if you think uh, we're out the lunch here or Joe's out the lunch, crazy, uh, we'd love to get your feedback on that. That's okay. We'd love to hear what you have to say about it or you want to add to some of this. Uh, again, a great way to do that is just send us an email. So we're out of time. Thank you, Joe. Hey, thank you. And thank you, Steve. Thank you. All right. Well, this is it. Uh, I'm Phil Thompson. On behalf of Joe and Steve, uh, we're wrapping things up here. Uh, this has been Church Solutions Podcast. We hope that you have a great day. We will catch you next time. Take care.